if you have a Bible, you can turn to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. We're going to finish by talking about the whole idea of sharing. Sharing. Sharing what God has put in our hearts. Sharing what God has blessed us with in, form, in the form of, of Jesus. And so we started with week one talking about praying. That the first step, the first small step is to pray that God would send us to those who need him, who are far from him. And, of course, this reflects Matthew 9 when Jesus said, pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. And we were going to apply that. We're going to pray that God would send us to those who need him. And then secondly, we were going to have a willingness to go. The next small step was to take small actions, even just one small act that would move us toward those people who are far from God, would give us some proximity to them, and would reveal the love of Christ through us. Last week, we talked about the whole idea of, of uh, sharing our faith in the form of inviting people into uh, the gospel community, into our fellowship. And we talked a lot about hospitality and how hospitality is a part of the gospel, and it's important to do, to, do so, to go and get people and to uh, invite them into this amazing thing that God is doing Today, again, we're going to talk about sharing our faith and sharing our story, and there are some stereotypes associated with this. I want to show you a few pictures that tend to lend to those stereotypes, okay? So here's, here's one of the stereotypes. When believers think about sharing their faith, they think of the guy standing on the, on the street corner, turn or burn, right? And uh, that's, uh, that's not always the best Method. We think about people showing up with big Bibles and suits and dresses and knocking coldly on the doors of other people. You see this woman here staring out the window. How many of you had people show up like that and you're hiding in the living room under the couch? Uh, that kind of thing. Or, you know, maybe it's uh, this guy. I don't know if you remember this guy. He used to show up at football games all the time and hold up a John 3.16 sign. Uh, I don't know. God uses different things in different ways. I'll let you decide what is the most effective. This may not be as effective as this. I think this is pretty. <laughs> Look at that baby face. I love it. And, and maybe this is even more effective. Ashley just needs to grow the beard out a little bit more. <laughs> okay, I better switch that or that image is going to be burned on your brain. You're not going to hear anything else I say the rest, the rest of the sermon. Some of these stereotypes lends to then believers just withdrawing from the whole idea of sharing their faith. Because they feel, based upon the stereotypes, that people are going to inherently reject what we might have to say. We might not have the answers that we need to some of the questions that might be asked. And the truth is, is that there is, as Terry mentioned, there's a very natural and organic way for us to share our faith story. Because the Christian life ultimately is about us developing that ability. Folks, listen, you really don't reach your potential in Christ until you figure out whatever means you figure out some way of sharing your faith with others because we are called to go from being fed to feeding others, every one of us. We're called from being a disciple to being a disciple maker, every one of us. We're called to turn from being a consumer of faith to being a contributor to other people's faith, called 
to move from being a spectator of the mission where we applaud and cheer people like Terry to being participants in the mission of God for this world. It's not about coming to church. It's about being the church. So the bottom line is this. We are called to be world changers. We are called to be influencers, to make a difference in the lives of other people. And the ultimate outcome, listen, the ultimate outcome of the Christian life, I'm not talking about the ultimate input, the ultimate outcome of the Christian life is to impact others for the sake of Christ. We never reach our full spiritual maturity until we develop that in our hearts and in our lives. But often again, these stereotypes keep us from doing it. So what I want to do tonight is I want to communicate to you the simplest and I believe the most effective means of imparting our faith with others. Uh, doing so through the example from a scripture, from the scripture of a person who was changed by Jesus and who ended up sharing his faith with others. So in John chapter 9, we're going to read about a story of a blind man, a man who had been blind since birth. Verses 1 through 7, Jesus comes along and he heals the man. And there's a unique way of doing it. You need to go and you need to read that, okay? Verses 8 through 12, this man now is transformed. He's healed, and the neighbors begin to question him. What happened? How did it happen? And, and they're saying, this can't be the guy. And he continues to go to them and say, no, I am the person. <laughs> I was the person born blind, and now I can see. In verses 13 through 33, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, come and interrogate this formerly blind man. And then they interrogate his parents. Again, how did this happen? Who did this to you? They interrogate his parents, and then they interrogate him a second time. And he gets a little frustrated by it. It's, it's a great part of the story. In verses 34 through 41, Jesus offers this man faith. After his healing, he offers this man faith, and the man trusts in Jesus as his Savior. Here's what I want to say. This man's story is our story. Now, you may not feel like there are a lot of similarities between what his experience was and what ours is, but I want to say to you that there are. We are like him. How are we like him? We are, first of all, like him in our need. We are like him in his need, and we are like him in our need. Verses 1 through 3, let's read it. As he passed by, he, that's Jesus, saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, there's a prevailing assumption that Jesus is correcting here. The prevailing assumption of the religious elite in the first century was that if you had an illness, if you had a sickness, if you had a, a blindness, a physical ailment of any kind, it was the result of sin. This was their theological assumption that there was sin. Jesus corrects that. Saying it's not that. It's not his sin. It's not his parents' sin. But what is it? It's that the work of God might be displayed through him. Jesus doesn't go there with the cause of his blindness. He instead says what can result from it. What is the outcome from it? So our need is not like his in his physical blindness. Please hear me. That was his physical need. We are like him in our spiritual need. We are like him in our need for a Savior, as was true for him. Our physical needs or our emotional needs, our financial needs, our relational needs are those things that give light to our spiritual need. In fact, it is those things, those needs, those weaknesses that call us forth to faith, that provide wake-up calls for us to the greater need for a Savior. And here's the truth. 
for many people, maybe some of you formally, maybe some of you even now, God is using these kinds of needs, physical, emotional, relational, financial, whatever they are, he's using those things as a way of waking you up to his love, as a way of getting your attention, as a way of trying to communicate to you the deeper spiritual need of your need for a savior. And you want to focus on the reasons why you have this thing. And God is saying, let's instead focus on what good can come from it. It's an amazing, amazing thing how God can use our brokenness as a way of leading us in him. And that was true for this blind man. I don't know if you've heard of the person named Joni Erickson Tata. Recently, she just wrote an article back when she was a teenager, younger than that. She had a diving accident, broke her neck. And since then, she's been a paraplegic. She's been in a wheelchair ever since then. She's a believer. And she wrote an article recently about the 50th anniversary of that accident and her life since then. It was a great, great article. I would encourage you to look it up and read it. She says, I would rather be in this wheelchair knowing Jesus as I do than to be on my feet without him. Now, some of you, you can't even grasp that. (laughs) But I'm here to say to you, That God uses brokenness, a way of teaching us that he is there for each and every one of us. And the very thing, this is how it applies to our faith story. The very thing that is so hurtful to us becomes a beautiful, beautiful part of our story of redemption. And in some ways you say, I wouldn't be with Jesus had it not been for that brokenness. So we are like this man in that we all have a need for Jesus. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. And our other brokenness, our other forms of brokenness, are communicating to us that need. Secondly, we are like him in his encounter with Jesus. There comes a point in time, a space, a place, where he has an encounter with the Savior. Look in verses 35 through 38. Here's what it says. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now, what's going on here? Thank you. (laughs) What's going on here is that these Pharisees, these religious leaders had interrogated this man. Asked him, how did this happen? Are you that person? And the guy keeps going back saying, yes, I'm the individual. I was blind, but now I see. They're interrogating this guy. And eventually, the Pharisees get so frustrated when they kick him out of the house They cast him out. So this is what it's referring to. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. Having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Here's the deeper spiritual need. By the way, Jesus always goes to this deeper need. He moves past the superficial need to what is deeper. He answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. I'm right in front of you, he says. Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. So here's what's going on. We are like him in our encounter with Jesus because if you're a believer in this room, think back. You had an encounter with Jesus at some point in time in your life. Some beautiful moment where Christ made himself aware of you to him. And so Jesus sought him, found him, offered faith to him. This man responded. He had an experience of trust in Jesus. We're like him in that way. And here's the other way that we're like him. We're like him 
in his life change. This man was absolutely changed. Yes, he was changed from the standpoint of his physical sight, but he was also changed from the standpoint of his spiritual needs being met and the course of him finding the Savior. Look in verse 25. Here's what it says. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Here's the phrase. I want you to wrap your mind around this, because this is really important as it comes to us sharing our faith. He was being interrogated. He was asked theological questions. He was asked experiential questions. He was being questioned in a deep, deep way. He said, listen, I don't know one thing I do know. I was blind, but now I see. And folks, that's the essence of the gospel story that you and I can share. He did not have a deep knowledge of the scripture. He did not even have a complete understanding of Jesus and the result of this life change that occurred with him. He didn't understand how Jesus had changed him. The only thing that he knew is what his name was and the fact that he was blind, but now he can see. And the truth is, is even if you know many things theologically, even if you're studied, even if you can answer all these questions, the only singular truth that is the most powerful truth, even in the midst of all knowledge you may have, is the way that Jesus has changed you. And sometimes we bypass that to get to the other things that are less important. In the sharing of the gospel with other people, it's our life change that matters most. And despite theological education, despite understanding, the most important thing is that we know that we've been changed by Christ. Billy Graham was asked one time, what is the greatest theological truth? This, this was asked of him later in his ministry, after all these years of ministry, after all of his education, after all of his Bible teaching. He was asked, what's the greatest theological truth? You know what he said? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You boil everything down, all the controversies, all the talking, all the theological circles, what is most important? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. So his story, this formerly blind man's story, is our story. It is. It's our story in the fact there was a need. He had it, we had it. There was an encounter with Jesus. He had it, we had it. There was change that occurred as a result of Christ. He had it. We had it. That's our story. Our need for Christ, our encounter with him, and how we've been changed. Amy Banto, our missions director, has been leading on Wednesday nights a class called Missions in Me as a part of Month of Missions. It's kind of a second run of it. We're going to have another one of those after Easter She's had a great group of people who have come to that class, and what they've done is that they've written out their stories, their faith stories, and then they've shared them with the class, just as a way of understanding. And the components of their testimonies have been that very thing. There was a need in my life. I had an encounter with Jesus, and I've been changed by the love of Christ. That's everybody's story who is a believer. And she's talked about how it's just so wonderfully encouraging 
We need to do more of that in the church. We need to have people share their faith stories in our church with one another because it's amazingly encouraging. Stories of life change. My story is just a story. I've shared it with you before. Just how God has reached down and and changed my life and how I, I was raised not going to church and did not know who God was and was clueless. Began visiting a church. A youth pastor gave me a ride home after a youth event. He shared the good news of Christ with me. I'd never heard the good news of Jesus, that he loved me and he died on the cross for me and he offered forgiveness for my sin. He offered me a relationship with him. And I remember saying, he said, would you like to receive the gift of eternal life? He said that to me in his car after sharing with me Christ. And I said, no. But everything in me wanted to. And I walked upstairs into our apartment where we lived. I went into my bedroom, and I began thinking about my life as a 17-year-old. My insecurities, my doubt, my fear of death, my lack of purpose, my lack of meaning. And I began praying for the very first time. And as I began praying, I began crying. I never talked to God. Certainly not in a way where I understood his love. And as I began crying, I began scooching myself off the bed and kneeling. I'd never knelt before. And I poured my heart out to Christ. I said, if you'd forgive me, I want to know you. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. And I cried myself to sleep that night. And I woke up knowing that I was different. I didn't understand anything, but I knew that I was a, a different person that I was one way before, and now I was a different person. That was, my, that was my faith story. And again, this is all of our stories, that we are different because of Jesus. I want to show you a video clip. I don't know if you've heard of the new multi-season series called The Chosen. It's a... Uh, It's a multi-episode series, which ultimately will be over several seasons, about Jesus and his ministry. And I know what you're thinking, some kind of cheesy Christian movie. That's not it at all. In fact, I went into it being very skeptical. You watch Christian movies, they tend to be low budget and low acting. (laughs) And, And so I shy away from them. But I gave this a try because I'd read some things about it. And it was excellent. I would really recommend it to you. It's well, well done, well directed, well acted. I want to show you a video clip from The Chosen that reveals the story of Mary Magdalene. Many theologians believe that Mary Magdalene could have been demon-possessed, that she was a prostitute. In the video, in the series, Jesus comes and he, he heals her. He forgives her. He saves her. She is dramatically changed. And the old Jewish guy, Nicodemus, notices this change in her. He's very surprised because he had seen her before. But now he sees her as a follower of Jesus, and he sees light and love, and he sees the difference. And he's asking her about that. And I want you to listen to her response to Nicodemus about her life change. He called me Mary. He said, I am his. 
I am redeemed. And it was so. Who did this? I don't know his name. And even if I did, I could not tell you. Why not? His time for men to know has not yet come. His time for men? <laughs> he performs miracles and seeks no credit? Well, what does he look like? Is he a member of Sanhedrin? Would you at least know him if you saw him again? <laughs> I don't know why I am sharing this with you. I. I don't understand it myself. But here is what I can tell you. I was one way. And now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. So yes, I will know him for the rest of my life. <laughs> she says, I don't know what happened. But here's what I can tell you. I was one way. And now I'm completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. I could say that. You can too. <laughs> People need this news. People need the love of Christ. And we have it. And we can share it. Many of us think we can't, but we can. And again, regardless if you know every answer to every theological question, that does not matter. You can share the difference that Jesus has made in your life. You know, there's one thing that people cannot argue with you about when it comes to Jesus, and that is what he's done in your life. <laughs> they can argue with you about a lot of other things. One thing that they cannot, and that is what he has done in your life. So that's your story. That's my story. And I'm sticking with it. <laughs> Let's bow in prayer. Lord, thank you. Words can't express our gratitude and uh, the grace that's been bestowed to us. <coughs> And all the amazing blessings that we have in Christ. The peace, the power, the perspective, the strength, um, the purpose that you've set in our hearts, the mission that we have on this earth to be involved in the great redemptive drama, the great story that you are writing we get to be a part of that. There are people in our lives, Father, that need the love of Christ. So remind us of that, God. We pray that you would provide divine appointments, divine opportunities for us to share in very natural ways the difference that you've made in our lives, that you give us the peace and the confidence and even the boldness to never, ever be ashamed of the gospel to never ever apologize for it, to be willing to speak to others because of the blessing and the joy 
of the gift of Jesus. And we just can't keep that to ourselves. So thank you, Father. Help us again to tell the story. And we will give you all the glory for what you do with it and in it. In Jesus' name, amen.